All right, let's. We got the first verse down. All right, let's do the first verse. Okay. You ready? Yeah. When the day has just begun and you're looking for some fun, call up your local pizza girls. If you're hungry for a treat, but you don't know what to eat, send for your friendly pizza girls. I've been searching all around just to find my pizza girl. Welcome to the Raincoat Report, everyone. <laughs> this week we're going to be ordering out. <laughs> That's right. For some hot and saucy pizza girls. Yes, the Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls are here to uh, please, and we will show you just how much pleasing they're here to do. It's a lot. It's a lot of pleasure. So uh, this is Boss, here with Jeremy once again. Hey, what's going on? And we are so excited to talk about Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls. I'm excited about our musical career. I think that we have something. Yeah, um, you hit all the notes and I hit none of the notes. I think I hit like 80% of the notes at best. But if I don't hit, we meet in the middle. Right. Um, It's kind of like Simon and Garfunkel. I think when they first were like, Garfunkel's parents were very concerned that Simon was going to leave. And that (laughs) he, their son, wouldn't have any future. So that's kind of how I feel about you. You're my Paul Simon. Well, uh, thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, Sing your hits. Yes. Uh, 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 when the day has just begun. <laughs> and you're Boo. looking for some... Oh. Boo. Oh. Uh, uh, if you're looking for a slice, a slice of paradise, so call up and order pizza, pizza girls. girls. That's why we have to be together, because we just do. Pizza girls, they aim to please, and delivery is free. They didn't bring that up they at all They satisfy the those pizza girls. Did they bring up that the delivery was free in the movie? I don't think so. They didn't talk, but they didn't like, they didn't address delivery at all. They didn't address payments at all. Yeah. There I was, never saw any money exchange, but I know nowadays a delivery fee for pizza is like five bucks. Yeah. It's, well, there was, there was one scene where I saw money being exchanged. Uh, there was a... There was a, uh, a pleasuring of a housewife where uh, the oh, pizza yeah. girl snatched the money out of oh, the yeah. housewife's coat and ran after That was more of larceny, I think, like burglary. <laughs> okay, so, they... <laughs> uh, so us uh, goofy motherfuckers here are yeah. talking about uh, Bob Chin's Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls from... 1976, maybe? It's 79. 79? 79. I think it's... Let's see. I wrote 79, and I know... Because I don't think Desiree Casteau had started by 76. We were both wrong. 1978 per IMDb. Well. Although, when I did a Google search, it said 1979. So, who knows? Yeah. But um, okay, yeah. Ni- let's set the scene. It's California, the late seventies, perhaps. It's, it's California. It's the late seventies, perhaps. And old Bob Chin's out to do his thing and 
give us some pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the best way to do that is, of course, with the hot and saucy pizza girls. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Bob Chin. Okay. Um, I listened to an interview he did on the Rialto Report, and he talked a little bit about his background. So he was born in Hawaii to fourth-generation Chinese-American family. Yeah, um, we'll say when we began this, I just assumed he was just a white man. Right. Most of them are just white men. Like, yeah, I feel like a lot of the porn directors we kind of come across, but then we talked about like uh, what, Carlos Tobolina. Is he Peruvian yeah. or something like that? Uh, are... he, he's from somewhere south of the border. Let's say I have it in my notes somewhere. But okay, I... well, when we talk about Carlos Tobolina, we'll we'll get to it. But uh, yeah, it turns out porn was a lot more diverse maybe than mainstream Hollywood at the time. Perhaps. So, yeah, Bob Chin uh, was born in Hawaii and then moved and went to school in southeast New Mexico and then went to uh, UCLA Film School. Um, He said that at UCLA Film School, by that time, he kind of already knew what he was doing. He had gotten a camera when he was younger and had done some commercial shoots, Um, but he said that the experience was helpful for him just in exposing him to different films uh his colleagues at ucla included james bryan the director of such great films as don't go into the woods uh hell riders and lady street fighter oh yeah Uh, the last one's good uh and uh jim morrison of the doors oh he didn't did jim morrison direct any films i don't think so but he went to film school, or at least he went to UCLA and was a colleague of Bob Chin's at some point. I feel like if Tyler had been born in the 60s, he probably would have been Jim Morrison. Perhaps. Born in like the whenever, for, late 40s. Yeah, I'm happy that Tyler made it past the age of 27. Yeah, and I'm happy he's never made me listen to like a 19-minute acid jam session he recorded. <laughs> So uh, Bob Chin's career started with him filling various small roles, uh, doing doing uh, gopher jobs and working as a temporary production manager. But when a colleague of his realized he knew what to do with a camera, they suggested that he could get better work in the adult industry. He started doing uh, crew work for a few, sh- few softcore shoots. Uh, then he started uh, by doing what they called beaver girl loops, which were... Um, single reel films Where showing women just chewed on wood. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, it was uh, single reel softcore films where women masturbated. Oh, and, that uh, beaver! Yeah, that beaver. I need to keep my head about me and remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about pornography, not about wildlife. Oh yeah, that's my other podcast. Yeah, uh, Jeremy's Wild Kingdom. We're gonna have all kinds of uh, podcasts by the time we're done. Yeah, it's the only line of work I'm cut out for is just running my mouth. You're unemployable. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Bob Chin talked a little bit in his interview about the history of uh, obscenity. Uh, initially, showing pubic hair was considered obscene, and is actually kind of still considered obscene in like Japan. Yeah, they that's don't weird. they don't like it. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I don't it, like it. The whole, I don't really, because they have very extreme pornography in a lot of ways, but right. then some very simple things. 
Like or, you can watch a girl get a hundred loads dropped on her face, and yeah, but you can't see her vagina. Yeah, you can make up an entire humiliation-based game show, <laughs> but you can't. Like pubic hair is like you can stick an apple up their butt to go back to uh, <laughs> the Devil and Miss Jones, but you can't show the pubic hair. You can't show the hairs around the butt. <laughs> Uh, shortly after he got started, there was a there was a court ruling that eventually determined that no part of the body itself could be considered obscene. Uh, that's when we get into the age of uh, films having to have a redeeming social value, yeah, which is the, the Hayes Code around that time. Now this is this is like after the Hayes okay. Code is getting dropped when okay, this happens. Okay, so more like, but it's, it's early seventies. Yeah, okay. this this is. This is uh, late 60s, early 70s, where we're, we're now able to show whatever, but the people have to come up with a, a storyline or a reason for it to exist. So that's why we start seeing in the earliest days of pornography the white coater films, which are the ones with the doctors, quote-unquote doctors, mm -hmm. who talk about human sexuality and they use that as a framework to just show a bunch of fuck films. Uh, but because there's a doctor talking about sexuality, they could be like, oh, well, this is educational, you know, so. That's a good loophole. Anyhow, at this time, uh, Bob Chin started because doing those Beaver Girl loops. Um, at the time, the film labs were running around the clock 24-7. And the reason for that is because a lot of news footage was still being shot on film. This is before they were doing video for basically everything. Right. So he knew somebody at the lab, and basically he could just throw his films in to get developed, you know, tack it on the end of some newsreel f yeah. footage and get it done in 30 minutes or so. You think there was ever, like, a mix-up where, like, someone was going to show, like, what's going down in Vietnam that week, and it's just, like, some blonde girl from Minnesota just slapping her flaps around? Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming not. I feel like that would have come up in the interview, but... Uh... I'd like to think that it happened. I hope and so. And everybody saw it on the news because nobody looked at the footage before they aired it. That sounds right. Um, <laughs> so Bob Chin's first feature was Autoeroticism in the Female, which was basically just some of these beaver girl loops that uh, he had been making with, uh, with some music added on top and strung together with a narrative to try to justify its existence. Uh, his second film was his first full narrative film, The Rise and Fall of Ricky Shooter, uh, which included a hardcore boy-girl loop that he had shot as well. So, again, it's kind of tacked together, but um, it, it, was, it was the first one that he had that had a full narrative. So, one of the important names when it comes to Bob Chin's life is John Holmes, yes. a character that... We haven't gotten to discuss yet on the Raincoat Report, and it's really sad. Has he not been in anything yet? Nothing that we've talked about. I've definitely seen his cock before, though. Yeah, for sure. It is horrifying. <laughs> it is absurd <laughs> looking. Um, uh, but God bless him. I would say my top two male porn performers of the era are... Uh, Jamie Gillis and okay. John Holmes. Okay. And I haven't, we haven't talked about Jamie Gillis no. on here either. I like um, 
I like John Leslie so John far. John Leslie is really I good. Like he could actually be... act. Yes. Like he could have probably crossed over into the mainstream at some point if he wasn't so focused on getting his dick sucked. Right. Well, and when we talk about these early days of porn, there are a lot of these guys who are doing like Shakespeare and stuff like okay. on Broadway or off Broadway right. or whatever. And uh, like Jamie Gillis, who I just yeah. mentioned, who I'm excited to talk about eventually, but not today. Yeah. Um, but he like he would go do uh, you know Shakespeare in the park and yeah. all that sort of stuff and then but he would like specifically be like well I need to be out of here by seven for me to go do this porn shoot right and he was he was just all about he he loved both worlds That's... and so there there are a lot of these people who considered themselves real actors but either a they just couldn't get cast in legitimate stuff. Or B, they just love doing porn, and yeah. so they just kind of did both. And it's fair. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, oh my god, who does all those Lovecraft? Who did Reanimator? Oh, uh, Stuart Gordon. Like he has a lot of like stage actors and like his right. like, repertoire and stuff like that. So that that's kind of cool. That yeah, and Stuart that, Gordon, I think a lot of that comes from Stuart Gordon started by directing uh, plays and stuff. Okay, that's where he got a lot of his uh, people. So, uh, John Holmes. Yes, John Holmes. So, John Holmes originally came to Bob Chin to be a gaffer, uh, but Bob already had a crew at the time, so he didn't have work for him, but John told him he was an actor as well, so Bob Chin went to go do some work in his office, and his partner, Alan Patrick, gave him a applica- gave John an application and started working with him, and Bob was working in his office when Alan walked in and said, Bob, you've got to see this guy's dick. <laughs> That's a beautiful line. So, uh, I wish any of my job interviews went that way. So, yeah, Bob said that that wasn't normally the sort of thing that he'd want to go stop what he was doing and look at. But obviously, when he went and saw John Holmes' dick, he realized that this guy had uh, something about him. Do you know off the top of your head? Is it? It's a. It's at least a foot, right? So there or, is a uh, lot of conjecture about yeah. it. There's not a real answer to it, but it seems to be anywhere from ten to thirteen inches, okay. depending on who you ask. I would buy that. Uh, it is thick too. Yeah. Very thick. It's about like my arm. <laughs> it's uh, it's massive. Yeah, it's frightening. So, because of that, uh, Bob was interested in casting him, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the time, John Holmes had already been in a few hardcore films, but he hadn't really been in anything of of note. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Bob was going to be shooting on Sunday, so Bob asked John if he was free on Sunday. And John said he was available, but he was never free. So Bob thought that this was funny, but he explained to him that he was paying $50 a day, and John said he charges $75 for anything that he does. <laughs> so Bob was firm about that. He's he, cocksure. Yeah, he was cocksure. <laughs> Bob was firm about it. His budget for the whole film that he was doing was $750, so he didn't have much wiggle room. But mm-hmm. John told Bob that he could do four sex scenes a day. Bob did some math in his head and realized, you know, that's the work of at least two people. So he was like, well, I could do this and still save money by not having to hire another actor. So he went ahead and hired him. And uh, 
history was made from there. Bob Shin and John Holmes' uh, biggest success early on was the series of Johnny Wad films, mm-hmm. uh, where John Holmes played a private investigator who went on various adventures, and they made several films, uh, most of which directed by Bob Chin, but later on directed by other people. Speaking to today's film, the hot and saucy Pizza Girls, uh, Bob Chin said that he had a good time making it, but he didn't like acting in it. He said that, in general, he hated being in front of the camera. Uh, but I thought he did yeah, great in his he was funny. small role. Yeah, he's a real bit role, but he was a funny little guy. I liked him. He got financing from a theater owner in Chicago who had sent a goon to oversee the production and watch them and intimidate them. Um, the girls had to learn to ride a skateboard. A couple of them got good. Uh, if you watch this film, you'll realize a couple of them didn't. Yeah. But that's okay. They're pizza girls. They do their thing, and uh, we love them for it. I don't know why they decided on skateboards versus any other mode of, like any other mode of conveyance. Right. Because you want your pizza to get there hot. And saucy. Well, yeah, saucy is, you know. Well, it's going to be saucy either way, probably. Yeah, but you definitely want it hot. And I just think that, you know, the the wind is going to get in through the, the box cracks and right. really cool your pizza bef- before it gets there. Because they're not even using the... Uh, the patented warming sack that we take for granted nowadays. <laughs> the old warming sack. Yeah. There was a name for it when I did Domino's training, but uh, I've forgotten it. Yeah. Um, was, was working at Domino's anything like working for the Country Girl Pizza Parlor? Uh, People would call and ask me stuff, and then I would just kind of hang up on them. So that was similar. Yeah, I was kind of the John Holmes of the situation. <laughs> uh, mostly I tried to busy myself by doing dishes or folding boxes in the back so no one would try to accost me. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a good time. I quit. Uh, I just ghosted them after two weeks. Uh, but, you know. Another adventure in Jeremy's world of unemployability. Yeah. I mean, they employed me, but, you know, they shouldn't have. (laughs) They should have thought twice. So, uh, Bob Chin, one of the things I found kind of sad about the interview that he did was that he said that none of his films lived up to his expectations. He said that he never really had the time or money to do what he wanted with most of them. And then on the one film that he felt like he did, Candy Stripers, which we'll probably talk about one day, uh, he did have the time and money, but once he went back to watch it, he could still only see the glaring defects and wished he had the foresight to make it better during production. So he said he was disappointed in himself as a director and feels like he never succeeded in getting the audience to suspend their disbelief. Uh, he talked about people like Radley Metzger and uh, Anthony Spinelli as people who had been successful in that area, whereas he felt that he hadn't. I could kind of see that. He kind of makes a a good argument against himself in that way, because <laughs> I do have a lot of questions. There will have a lot of questions along the way. But I, I have a lot of questions about everything. Um, it's okay to question things. Yeah. Uh, He left the industry in 1986, and at that point he figured he'd be forgotten or he'd be a footnote in 
some era that you know had been left behind in history yeah. at the time he threw all the prints of his films he had in a dumpster <laughs> and he he does regret that much now at least but uh it's really kind of sad because Bob Chin is one of my favorite directors of the golden age of porn. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the artiness of an Anthony Spinelli, a D- Gerard Damiano, a Radley Metzger. Yeah. But he has an ability to make fairly well-made films that, you know, he put he put together in short amount of time, small budgets yeah. and some of them are just fucking delightful. Yeah. And today's film, Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls, is a delightful film it's that probably, I fully recommend. It's probably been the most fun I've had while we've been wa- like watching these. Like the one where I was just like, just encha- I'd say I'm enchanted by it right. in its premise because uh, it just keeps throwing stuff at you. You're just like, okay, they're going to deliver pizza and fuck the people they meet, but. Things things whole, spiral out from there, yeah. pretty crazy. They honestly could have made like a two-hour movie just exploring like all the stuff they set up, right? And it would have been fun still, right? But uh, it was it wasn't meant to be. No, um, but he, he didn't have the time or the money. In recent years, uh, Bob Chin's done a lot of interviews and commentaries for these Vinegar Syndrome releases of his film, so. I'm hoping that in that time he's grown to have some appreciation for what he's done because I consider Bob Chin to be kind of a hero when it comes to this era of porn. Uh, When it comes to especially his comedic films, I think that he did a great job, especially when you consider, like I said before, the budgetary constraints, the time restraints, and everything else. Bob Chin deserves to be celebrated for his contributions to this world. Um, I know that one of the things that kind of happened with him is he left the industry in 86 and at that point just figured he'd be forgotten. But at the end of the late 90s, uh, Boogie Nights happened and he was part of the inspiration for Burt Reynolds' character in the film, Mm -hmm. and they recreated some scenes like verbatim from some of Bob Chin's films, and he felt kind of, you know, he said that imitation's the sincerest form of flattery, but he didn't appreciate that the film made it look like that him and his peers Mm -hmm. didn't know what they were doing and all of that when... In reality, it was down to, you know, budgetary constraints, time constraints, and stuff like that. And that everybody really did have some ability and wanted to make good films, but, you know, it didn't always work out that way. Mm. Um, But around that time, there was a lot more interest in him, and he ended up doing... He ended up doing some shoots for Playboy, uh, doing some softcore films for them in the Mm -hmm. early 2000s. Um, and around that time he got inducted into like some hall of fames, I think like the avian hall of fame and stuff like that. So he had a bit of a resurgence and did, I think he said like 30 something softcore films around that time. So that's pretty cool that he had kind of that second chapter there. Um, but from the raincoat report, we want to, you know, promote Bob Chin as, uh, the visionary that he is, because he is awesome. Yes, he is a man in the true mold of the teacher. 
we're going back to teaching the the ways of the teacher i never stopped uh, yes i've been just pumping out all this pro teacher propaganda for the past couple weeks on social media so check it out <laughs> um and of course you know we talk again about uh john holmes he only had one sex scene in this film and uh but he was a he was a fun fun character in the film uh there's a lot of uh, negative things you can say about John Holmes, and you wouldn't be wrong to say them about him. Uh, but he is a fun actor, that's for sure. Okay. Well, you know, we'll take that for now. We'll get into the controversy at some other point. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll get into a more John Holmes-centric film before we start digging into yeah. his, uh, you know... Spotted past. His spotted past. Yeah. Uh, we just want to focus on the fun on this one. Yeah, and this one is a lot of fun. So, um, you know, if you're looking for some fun or, you know, if you're looking for a treat and you don't you know, know what, what to eat. eat call those friendly pizza girls. That's right. Pizza girls know how to cook and she's listed in the book. Look under P for pizza girls. I don't think they did any cooking. Uh... Yeah, I don't get the impression that these pizza girls know how to cook. No. I know that John Holmes knows how to cut a pizza. I bet Bob does most of the cooking. I bet Bob did most of the work at that pizza place. Yeah, for sure. He's the guy, He's the sucker that works... Well, I don't know. The girls are definitely doing work. Yeah, no, no. No one's saying they're not, but... You know, he's doing all the pizza prep. Yeah, he's doing the, the food work, for sure. Yeah. No one else. Those pizza... They're not going into the into the uh walk-in fridge and making sure the ingredients are fresh and everything that's all bob yeah i mean they've got they've got a lot to deal with it's understandable that they're not in charge of that but they're definitely not all right so uh we're gonna take a little break here and uh get ourselves ready to talk about these pizza girls we'll be right back did you know that what you're about to do is against the law in alabama mm. Why, even if we were married, we couldn't. You'd have to go across the state line. But if you took your girlfriend across the state line, you'd be arrested for crossing the state lines for immoral purposes. I mean, if you live in Alabama, you just don't get to eat any pussy. Ooh, I still remember the first time Jim Earl did it to me. Oh, I was so scared that somebody was going to find out and come and arrest me. Jim Earl was the mayor. If you kick my cat, you're not allowed on the podcast anymore. Don't, don't kick my cat. I kicked her. No. <laughs> no I was Violet. Except for the time I shot her in the eye with that Nerf dart. Yeah, that was a real dick move. It was an accident. It was a dick accident. No. A dick accident is um, like when you use toothpaste to masturbate and then it all... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it all goes awry. It goes awry. I don't know how to describe the sensation, except that it burnt. Uh, yeah, it sounds unpleasant. Yeah, don't do it. Um, I was probably 12, so... Yeah, you were doing all kinds of stupid things. If any 12-year-olds are listening to this and you shouldn't be, don't masturbate with Crest. Yeah, don't masturbate with Crest. Uh, we talked on a previous episode about masturbating with soap. Don't do that either. Yeah. Uh, conditioner's usually okay. Yeah. Nothing... I'm not a chemist, but nothing nothing you use to clean your hands or your teeth with. Uh, shampoo's not good, but conditioner's okay. That's weird. 
conditioner uh, kind of looks like cum anyway. Yeah. It's got that weird kind of gel, kind of, you know. Or you could just use your cum. Just use your cum. Yeah, just save it in a Tupperware bowl. Put it in your refrigerator. Hope your mom doesn't see it. No. (laughs) (laughs) My poor mom. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a story there, boss? No. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls. Um, So we're going to do our signature deep dish, deep dive. Yeah, it's a deep dish, deep dive. Uh, Diving on the deep dish. Uh, So let's talk about it. Uh, So the film opens with a shot of a sign. says, Country Girl Pizza, we deliver. Mm -hmm. And boy, do they. Yeah. So... In the background, we start to hear our Pizza Girl theme play. Um, it's not quite as good as when Jeremy and myself sang it, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate a porn film that has a catchy theme song, and uh, I've seen multiple Bob Chin films that fit that uh, mold. We'll have to sing some more of them as they come down the pipeline. Yeah, I think this one is particularly good. It's probably my favorite of the songs that I've heard so far, but I also haven't seen a lot of Bob Chin films, so... I think um, something you can whistle when you leave the theater, that's yeah. good. You know, something that you, it sticks with you for a few days, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been running in my head for a, a while now. Yeah. I watched it like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and then i watched it again a couple days ago and i don't think any time in between or since you'd ever stop singing it stop singing it in my head wow uh but you know this film fills me with joy so having that stuck in my head it's it's pretty cool i'm probably gonna forget it for a little bit and then go back and listen to the episode and it'll be lodged in there again yeah well you know especially when you have a compelling performance like uh, the one that we did at the beginning of the episode. There's That's true. No reason to forget it. <laughs> All right, so Country Girl Pizza, we deliver. We see the sign, and then we cut to John Holmes and Desiree Cousteau walking into uh, the pizza parlor. Uh, John Holmes is playing John, mm-hmm. and Desiree Cousteau's character is Anne. Anne Chovey. Yes, so we hear the Pizza Girl theme playing in the background, and John is interviewing Anne for a job. He asks if she has experience, and she tells him that she was a cashier at a bake sale last summer. Um, this probably did not prepare her for this experience. No, I would, well, I don't know, maybe. Uh, un- yeah, if it did, that's unfortunate. I think... You can just kind of walk off the street and get a job in a pizza place. We had like a couple of people that like went out on deliveries and just never came back. Um, <laughs> one guy was like intoxicated, and when my manager tried to confront him, he just left with like all the money that he had collected. Um, so it's pretty cutthroat. This one seems a little bit more above the board, but I think as we go, we'll find that's not entirely true. Right. There's a lot going on at this parlor, but. Uh... I don't know. The staff seems more reliable. Yeah, definitely. Um, John Holmes is always going to be there for you with the big sausage pizza. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, Holmes goes 
to get an application by Holmes, I mean John. Yes. Who's just John in this He's film. just John. Um, while he does that, we cut to our pizza girls skateboarding to work. Um, they don't seem to be naturals. There are varying levels of success to how well they're skateboarding to work. Definitely. Um, but, you know, it's all right. Then we get to see a creep in a raincoat who sees them skating by in a weird hat, and he's writing on a notepad. That's uh, boss, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know. If there was a country girl pizza parlor uh, yeah. down the street from me, I might hang out in a raincoat watching them skateboard around. I wouldn't, Yeah. Uh, I probably wouldn't be as much of a dick as this guy, though. Yeah. I would probably just watch and appreciate. Yeah, you not try to frame them. Or right. Whatever. It's, his motivations are unclear at this point. Uh, so, yeah, this is Inspector Blackie, and we will find out more about him soon. So we cut back to John and Anne, uh, who reveals her name is Anne Chovey. Mm-hmm. Um, John's going through her application with her she note john notes that ann's handwriting is bad uh for the <laughs> for the spot for sex he can't make it out so she explains to him that her answer was once in alabama uh she explains to john that shaky told her about this job and told oh. her to be honest with him i lost my virginity in alabama did you i did uh it was bad Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, anyone's fault. Uh, they li- She lived out in, like, uh, kind of like the countryside, and we were both probably about 16, so we wandered off from uh, her place and tried to have sex in, I don't know, like a cell phone tower or something, but then there was the cry <laughs> of, like, a bobcat or something, so we had to... <laughs> We had to cut things short, and we never really got another chance. But, you know, um, I did a little penetration, so I count it. Okay, so uh, you didn't finish, though. I didn't finish, no. Uh, is that the is that the only time you've had sex in Alabama? Um, we did some other stuff. I think it was the only, it was the only you know, uh, procreative sex that was going, you know, the, the biblically sanctioned version of sex that happened. But, okay, you know, okay. some other stuff occurred. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so John tells Anne that he has to check her references closely, and we zoom out and see that she has her legs spread in front of him, mm-hmm. and so he dives forward with his mouth and starts uh, going down on her. That's how they hired me at Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> they had to check your references? Uh, yes. They didn't think i was who i thought i was (laughs) (laughs) and remarks this reminds me of alabama me too so john puts a finger in ann's vagina and starts to lick her clit as she moans and we get some real close-up shots of the action here this goes on for a few moments and then we cut to john having sex with her so she's on top of a mechanical yeah, on those coin coin-operated horse. Like they have at Meyer. Yes. Yeah. Like the one in Meyer that you put a penny in and it... Yeah, it just rocks you gently back and forth while John Holmes slams you. <laughs> she says, this is much better than Alabama ever was. 
It's around this point that John feeds a coin to the horse and keeps at it. So the horse is rocking up and down as he's <laughs> banging at her. Uh, John Holmes' shirt in this scene looks like a picnic tablecloth. Yeah. Uh, the horse stops, but he's still going at it and playing with her nipples. I think it's just the uniform, isn't it? Doesn't the picnic tablecloth? Well, for I guess for him and Bob, Bob is also wearing that shirt. Yeah, so I, I guess it's just, the uniform. It's the generic. That's how you know it's pizza in the in the like seventies, I guess. Uh, was what was Italian. the uniform in Domino's? Um, was it a blue a, polo? It was a black polo. Okay. Um, and then it was a, a hat, and you had to wear the hat at all times, which was. I don't really understand that. Yeah, that seems strange. They didn't really have you make wear a hairnet or anything. Right. Um, and then an apron, but like, there were, you share the aprons. <laughs> um, you didn't have your own. Um, and they made you return all that stuff when you quit, which I gave him the shirt back, but I told him I lost the hat. But <laughs> I wear it at home sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you don't even wear it out you just wear it at home yeah it doesn't fit quite right but oh, i just okay. like to you know i'm like i like the look right that yeah. makes sense yeah so uh john's still having sex with Anne on top of the horse and he says it's his turn but there's not much time because the other girls are about to get there so Anne gets on her knees to start blowing john uh she asks if she's getting the job uh, she says she likes the fringe benefits the best. Yes. Um, so just another reminder here that John Holmes has a monster dong. Yes. Uh, and can fit about 30% of it in her mouth. Uh, it's she's, ridiculous. She's crying she's, her best. Right. Yeah. Her putting 30% of it in her mouth isn't because she's not putting effort into it. She's really going at it. She's a professional. Mm-hmm. But, uh... This is this is a task. This is a big job. If she tried to deep throat it, it would tear her esophagus. Yeah, she would have internal bleeding. <laughs> so she goes at it for a minute, and he pulls out and comes in her mouth and on her face. Uh, this was a pretty massive load. Yeah. Uh, and then we see him coming again. This is another angle of the same cum shot in slower motion. It's at this point that we cut to the girls skating up to the building. Uh, The building is solid black (laughs) with the pizza girl sign outside. I think that this was probably a strip club or something. It's just the generic sign with the uh, letters that you can move around. Like like at any weird place with a cheap sign up front. Yeah, it wasn't an actual pizza parlor, I, I reckon. Yeah, probably not. But the inside looks like a pizza parlor. Yeah. I wonder, I I didn't look into the locations here. I wonder if they were filming at a pizza place after hours. That would be in violation of the health code, I would think. (laughs) I would think so. Just for what John Holmes and Desiree Cousteau just did with that horse, they would probably get shut down for a couple weeks. Right, and we're only five minutes into this film. Right. We cut to John rolling dough, screaming. (laughs) Do you think he washed his hands? Uh, John probably did Did not wash his hands. I don't take him as the kind that washes his hands. He thinks that's for pussies. Yeah, he's he's a man's man. Yeah. Besides, his 
Dick's probably, I'm guessing that if this is his hiring process, has Dick's already been in all these girls' mouths anyway? Yeah, but. Well, you know, I guess the customers. That's what we're You got to think about. about the customers. I mean, it's you probably. You can't just go back from shooting loads and then go roll dough. Yeah, that's true. Roll dough. I mean, it, the, the oven's going to cook it out. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to cook out any microscopic bacteria, but if you've got load drippings on your hands, I'm not sure that that's going to make a difference. I didn't order this pizza, this pie with extra load. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, John's rolling dough. He's singing, Mamma Mia, Pizzeria, blow it out your Thanks. ass. What a good little tune. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he gets a phone call. Uh, he has very poor customer service skills. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he probably would get a talking to at Domino's if he answered the phone like this, I'd yeah. imagine. Uh, yeah. I tried not to answer the phone. That shit made me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have no business talking to the general public. Yeah, don't call me. I won't call you. <laughs> He tells the customer that it might be a few minutes because they just opened. Um, he talks about how a new menu just sent out. Uh, he tells the customer after the customer says something. That means something different now. Hold the anchovies? All right. The pizza girls are in the back of the restaurant getting dressed into their uniforms. Now, did you just show up at work in your uniform? Uh, yes. There wasn't a Domino's locker room where you guys got changed? No, we didn't have like a little powwow where we all were naked and talking about how hard the job was. Right. We just were expected to come in dressed and start making pizza. Right, I assume that. So the girls are getting dressed into their uniforms. It's white shirts that they kind of tie the tops together and pink high-waisted booty shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, pink or red, yeah, yeah in, in that spectrum. Yeah, more probably redder than pink, but whatever. I don't know if it matters. <laughs> uh, so they're discussing their cheese options. Gina's favorite is the blue cheese crumble with the head cheese. We'll learn more about this menu here in a moment. So the girls are kind of teasing each other and being a little catty with one another. Gino says that when guys go down on shaky, they get an immediate case of lockjaw. Let me introduce these women real quick. Okay, actually. yeah, yeah go we ahead. We need to take a moment. Yeah, there's a there's several of them. So there are four hot and saucy pizza girls in this film. It's, we have Anchovy, who just got hired here. Yeah. Desiree Casto. Uh, Do you know all the names of all the girls? Yes. Okay, excellent. We have Anchovy with the uh, darker, shorter hair, played by the wonderful Desiree Cousteau. Uh, then we have Gino with the longer, dark hair, played by Candida Royale. Okay. Then we have Shaky, a blonde, played by Lorian Dominique. And then Celeste, played by Christine DeShafer. Uh, both Shaky and Celeste have similarly length blonde hair, and because of that, that led me on my first watch to mix them up a bit. It'll happen. But uh, I, I figured it out later on when I watched a second time to tighten up my notes. Uh, and this film is worth watching again and again. It makes me think about when uh, I was a kid and I'd yeah. watch a movie just over and over again. Yeah. Um, were there any movies that you watched over and over again as a kid? Oh, definitely. Uh, I'd watch The Land Before Time. Uh, 
watch that Super Mario Brothers movie that's really bad. <laughs> um, I watched that one a lot and would make other people watch it too because I was like, this is great. That sounds like a jerk move. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we all enjoyed it. Right. I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, I watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie over I mean, and over again. That was Yeah, I probably watched that one a bunch. Uh, and I also watch RoboCop over and over again, which is not a child-appropriate film. Yeah, that's not age-appropriate at all. No. Um, my mom let me rent, like, like a certain age. And I was probably about, like, 9 or 10. She would just kind of let me rent whatever. So I rented a bunch of, like, Ralph Bakshi films, which are kind of, like, R-rated animated films. Right. So I saw a lot of cartoon titties and, like, a lot of, like, <laughs> cartoon violence and Nazis and stuff that was probably not age-appropriate, but... Uh, it was fun. I love the video store. Yeah, the video store was a great time. And I remember one time the manager at the Red Giraffe was like, you can't go in there. And I was like, this is the video game room. And he's like, no, we changed it. This is the adults room. <laughs> and I was like, well, I still want to go in. <laughs> did you or did you not? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I did not. Oh, hello. Yep. We all good? Yep, we're good. Okay, I bashed it. It's okay. Okay. We're good. Okay. Um, so yeah, like yeah. this is the adult version of that. Uh, I could watch it over and over again. I can feel I've, that. I've it, only watched it twice, but we'll watch it again later. We'll watch it again later. This is a great film. That's what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, introduce the lady. So, this is our introduction as an audience to the lady. So, Gino Candido Royale says that when guys go down on shaky, they get an immediate case of lockjaw. And then Celeste, getting caddy back at Gino, said that if Gino ever got a cold sore, she'd have to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> Celeste says Anne will make a bundle at first. Then she says she'll eventually get fat and homely like Gino. Gino calls Celeste chunky. And I note that nobody is fat, homely, or chunky here. No. So then we cut to uh, John up front, who asks the girls to fall in. They show up in a line next to him, but then he corrects them. Stomach's in, asses out, tits out. Asses out. So it's at this point that John gives the girls their first set of orders for the day. The orders are as follows. Oh. Gino gets the large mushroom pepper sausage head cheese. Shaky gets one conventioneer special. I really... Couldn't make this out at first, but I think Conventioneer Special is what it is because I think it gets said. It does get said later on, so it, I feel better it about does. it. Does yeah, I think that's correct. That sounds right because I know they definitely say it later. So Celeste explains to Anne that's more than one guy. She likes sandwiches. <laughs> uh, so Shaky's getting that for Celeste. John says I got a bell pepper, bell pepper for the wise ass because Celeste keeps saying catty comments yeah. celeste explains that a double order is usually a horny housewife that wants her to go eat her out then john explains it's very simple and first off he's totally wrong about yeah. this it's not very simple no i and would i would have not lasted even two weeks at country girls <laughs> <laughs> you'd have no idea what was yeah, getting ordered i would have shoved my arms into the oven to escape <laughs> <laughs> So this is not simple, and I think that there's also there also may be some disconnect between the orders delivered and what happened. So mm -hmm. what, anyway, John says it's very simple. A bell pepper, bell pepper, that's a double. 
with any other combination means it's a horny housewife and the husband wants to join in. But if it's a bell pepper, bell pepper, hold the pepperoni, it's a horny housewife and the husband just wants to watch. But in this case, it's just bell pepper, bell pepper. And as we see, it's just the horny housewife wanting to get eaten out. So there's that. Yes. And then finally, Anne gets the head cheese, hold the anchovies. So it's just her, fresh, young, and clean, as John says. All she has to do is lay there, and the customer will go down on her. So we cut to outside the country girl's pizza kitchen, or pizza parlor. What do you think the anchovies are? So hold the anchovies. When you said head cheese, hold the anchovies, my right. first instinct is someone trying to interpret this as a prospective employee. So I think that head cheese is oral sex. Yes, that's I what think, I figured. But I think that like if they just ordered head cheese, she would be going there to go down on them. Yeah. And I think the hold the anchovies means that they're going to go down on her for some reason. But if you go by like the logic that anchovies equals pussy because fish smell or whatever nonsense. Um, well, the customer's going to hold the anchovies. Right, but they're going to go down on her. But you would want it with anchovies if you wanted to go down on a woman, I would think. I think so. I don't know. Also, this, cust- this customer ends up go- doing more than just going down on her. Yeah. So, I don't know, but there's also a thing later on where one of the girls adds to the order. So, I'm not sure if this customer added to her the order yeah, with anchovy that he, he had. Okay, so. <laughs> I, I quit. <laughs> we're going to talk about these orders as this uh, explanation goes along because there's a lot to say about them. But yes. uh, we'll go ahead and just kind of go on from there. So. <laughs> We cut to outside the pizza parlor, and the pizza girls have gathered for a moment before they go their separate ways. Anne asks Celeste if they ever get arrested. Celeste says, no, it's not like they're streetwalkers. They do one, maybe three special deliveries a night, and they just do it for the extra bucks. So we cut to this guy in the raincoat, Inspector Blackie, and he's on a payphone talking to somebody. He says... He has them under surveillance, and he's going to bust them tonight. But after he hangs up the phone, he's stuck in the phone booth and can't get out. Yes. So we see the pizza girl skateboarding away. The pizza girls are skating down the sidewalk, but it basically, I think all the shots are them skating down the same stretch of sidewalk. Mm -hmm. Back to the phone booth, there's a crowd gathered around the phone booth to see Inspector Blackie stuck in the phone booth. Yeah. For our younger listeners, a phone booth is a thing that existed before cell phones. Yeah. Where where people would go inside a glass box and make a phone call with a phone that they had to pay anywhere from 10 to 50 cents to make a phone call on. Yes. Um, they don't really exist anymore. You might see like an occasional pay phone, like right. the terminal, but almost never is the phone still there. Uh, like their receiver's yes. gone. Um, Somebody's ripped it out. Yeah, I think I feel like I saw a lot of them in like Baltimore, but that whole place looked like a war had been waged. I saw the wire. I know what happens in Baltimore. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a crowd gathering around that phone booth to see 
Inspector Blackie in there. Uh, Celeste skates by as he gets out of the phone booth and knocks him over and speeds away. So then we get a shot of Gino approaching a house to make a delivery. This cowboy guy answers the door and tells her to sit down the food. So let's let's take a step back. So Gino had the large mushroom pepper sausage head cheese. Okay, so Gino starts going down on him. So yeah, this was a head cheese pizza. Okay. And the cowboy says this head cheese is something else. Um, he shouts all kinds of really odd comments, including, Your mouth is better than a hot volcano. <laughs> so this cowboy guy is uh, played by Richard Pacheco, mm-hmm. uh, porn star. Mm, uh, he is. is not given a credited name other than Gino's customer. Okay. Uh, even though he has a somewhat larger role than some of the other customers. So then we see Shaky showing up for her delivery. So Shaky... She had that conventioneer special. Right, which was more than one man, which makes sense with uh, what happens here. So that's good. So she shows up at her customer's door, and who answers the door but Paul Thomas, playing the role of Henry. Uh, and then another guy playing Lewis. Lewis is Spender Travis, a slightly less famous name in the uh, at the time. Okay. He does his part well. Mm-hmm. Henry explains that he's in the cattle business, breeding mostly. Lewis is in oil, the drilling business, he says. Oh. Yeah. So then we cut to Anne getting eaten out. Uh, so we didn't see her arriving at her customer's place, but we see what's going on with her. She asks the customer if he minds if she has a slice, and then she starts <laughs> eating pizza while she's going while he's going down on her. That sounds like a dream. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, she tells him that what he's doing would be illegal in Alabama. Um, she says. That, I don't know if it was still legal when I was there. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They still had like a lot of those sodomy laws, like up until like two thousand three or so. Oh yeah. Yeah, because uh, I kind of I vaguely remember as a child, everyone being mad about it, <laughs> about all the sodomy that was going down and how they couldn't get a part of it because of the archaic laws. <laughs> so uh, I believe the Supreme Court struck it down, and now you can have any kind of sex you want. That's great. Yeah, what a country we live in. What a world. What a world. Did you did you uh, engage in any uh, acts of sodomy at the time? Yes. You you engaged in illegal behavior. Uh huh. Within within Alabama, based on the statutes on the scroll of law. Right. You you know that guy. The, the old, old scroll of law. <laughs> the old the, law scrollman. Yeah. He was, law scrollman. Yeah, it was handed down from George Washington. Who got it from Moses. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they taught me at Catholic school. (laughs) (laughs) So she makes the comment, if you live in Alabama, you just don't get to eat any pussy. That's the actual law. That's what it says. (laughs) (laughs) Word for word on the scroll. Yeah. On the law scroll. Yeah, it's been chiseled in there on the scroll. So she talks about the first time she was eaten out, and she says it was by 
I think it's Jim Roll. Uh, it sounded like general to me at first, but I think she's using it as a person's name. Uh, yeah. She says that this was the mayor. <laughs> he always said the only thing better than a 13-year-old was a good, ripe 12-year-old. <laughs> that sounds like what a mayor in a small Alabama town would say. Yeah, uh, it was a, a disturbing comment to be made as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a joke. She was serious. I mean, I guess she was. I see it in the <laughs> script as a joke. Her character isn't joking, I guess. So she tells the customer that she knew he'd enjoy it more if he had to wait. So she unties her shirt and lets her breasts out. And it's Desiree Cousteau, so they are wonderful breasts. Yeah, they're great. So we get back to Gino, who's topless now. The guy says he wants to see everything, so she asks if he wants to add to his order, and so she adds the extra sauce on deep dish crust to his order. So I don't know what that means. I tried to work it out, but I'm not sure, because basically, well, because he changes the order again, so she takes more money, and then she says she can change the order and give him the works. Hmm. So, the works, I guess, is just everything. So, we go, we cut back to Shaky, and she's over there riding Henry while Lewis is eating pizza next to him. <laughs> Henry invites Lewis over, and so he pulls out his dick, and Shaky is sucking Lewis's dick while riding on Henry. So, we get back to Gino getting fucked by the cowboy guy he exclaims oh rio grand <clears throat> and then uh, gino says i just knew a little cheese wasn't going to be enough for a man with an appetite of texan so we cut back to shaky with the two guys she's riding henry still and sucking lewis off henry pulls out and comes on gino's ass crack and then lewis pulls out and comes on her face she smears cum on her face with Lewis's dong, and uh, Henry pushes his dick back in. Uh, it's worth noting that because G because Shaky is riding Henry and Lewis came on Shaky's face, it probably dripped on Henry as well. Oh yeah, probably. Uh, but you know that's that's the uh, that's the porn industry. Yeah, that's what happens. That's what gets group sex for you. It's a mess. It's it's a mess. Don't get into it if you think you it's going to be clean. That's right. You know what you're getting into. Yeah, go back to the Pretty Peaches episode and listen to that again, and you'll learn how messy that stuff can get. Yeah, especially if everybody's all oiled up. Yeah, sliding on each other. <laughs> yeah, goddamn human slip and slide in here. So we cut to a vagina being rubbed with a carrot, and we slowly zoom out to see a woman in a housecoat robe situation. And we see Celeste rolling up to a residence and knocking on the door, and this woman uh, answers the door. This is her bell pepper, bell pepper delivery. She asks if he ordered the bell pepper, bell pepper. The woman says yes. Then she immediately goes down on her knees and starts munching the woman's vagina, like quickly. Yes. The woman comes quickly. Celeste asks if the customer came, 
customer says yes, she snatches the customer's money out of her house coat <laughs> and then immediately leaves. Yes. This all takes place in like 30 seconds. It was funny. It was funny. It was legitimately can... a funny moment in the movie. Celeste is obviously over going down on these housewives, and we'll see more of that later on. So we cut back to Anne getting eaten out. She says, good pizza, as he keeps on munching. The cowboy is still pumping Gino, humping her. He calls her a pinto bean (laughs) while they're doing it uh, missionary. We cut back to Anne, and she's blowing the customer now. And I was curious at this point, did he, he add to his order? Did he add, like... She's new. She probably just got the order kind of confused. Oh, yeah. Is that is that a common thing in the Domino's world? Yeah. Take them the wrong pizza. You got to print out, like, four different stickers to make sure the pizza goes to the right place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and if you mess that up, the whole situation is uh, it's boned. Did you make any uh, sticker snafus um, that you're aware of? Probably, I would say so. But uh, by the end, by the time I was sick of it, I was pretty much mastered the sticker situation. Well, that's good. Yeah, and I was like, this job is beneath me. <laughs> Even though I think all the pizza people are heroes for right. doing what they do. It's just not for me. Right. It's it's fair to say that this job is not for me. Yeah. I won't say it's beneath me because someone has to, I guess someone has to run the pizza parlors of the world. Yeah. The Bob Chins of the world will always be needed. Exactly. But you weren't a Bob Chin. You were you were less than a John Holmes. Yes. You you, hel- you filled the John Holmes role, but you gave up. Yeah, it was too much stress. <laughs> so yeah, Anne is blowing her customer, uh, sh- who may or may not have added to his order. We cut back to the cowboy guy fucking Gino doggy style. Uh, He is now growling and barking like a dog as he's doing it. (laughs) He sure was. We cut back to Anne blowing her customer and we get some reaction shots of the guy's face. And he pulls out of her mouth and comes on Anne's breast while she rubs her breasts and sucks his dong a little more. We cut back to Gino. Gino tells the customer his time is up and... He says, I didn't know the meter was running. So he decides that he's going to finish by, you know, Gino's request. Uh, he starts singing, I'll be coming in your mountains when I come. I'll be coming in your mountains when I come. So he finishes and Gino seems a little irritated. Now, at this point, I'm not sure. This era of pornography, we usually see where the semen goes. And I'm not sure where the semen went here. Went into her. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure if he uh, came inside of her or if he had a condom on. I don't think he did because he didn't previously. Or if he just came on his bed sheets. He just pulled out and it just sputtered under the bed. It's true. It's a mystery come shot. We'll never know where it went. One of these days we'll have Bob Chin on this podcast to answer for his sins. Yeah, where did that man come? I need to know where the come went. Yeah. Then we cut to John at the pizza parlor, and he's cutting pizza. He answers the phone, and his words answering is, It's a deep dish world, baby. Did you ever answer the pizza like the phone like that at Domino's? No, I would say, it's Domino's, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's Domino's, hello. <laughs> 
So uh, he gets the customer off the phone quickly, and John tells Bob, who is played by director Bob Chin, this is our first viewing of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said before, Bob is the one doing all the work here, it seems. He's yeah. the one cut. Uh, he's the one uh, cooking pizzas and such. John tells Bob the customer wanted a salami pizza, and Bob says he can do it, you know, deliver that pizza. But John said it was a guy named Stanley, and uh, they both agree they don't want to deliver the salami pizza. So the salami pizza is definitely dick. Yes, yes it is. But we never see one get delivered in this film, unfortunately. Yeah, that was a letdown, I think, because there was ample opportunity to deliver some salami pizzas. So we cut back to our raincoated character, Inspector Blackie. He sees the delivery girls Gina and Celeste, sorry, Gino and Celeste, returning from their their deliveries. He says on a walkie-talkie that he has them under surveillance, which is what he said on the phone mm-hmm. earlier. He gets on a skateboard himself, so this is the number one mode of transportation in San Francisco in the 70s, yeah. I guess. I think it would be fun to see a, a movie about a skateboard detective. <laughs> um, you know, all his sick flips and ollies and such. So he starts chasing after them on his skateboard and uses a little siren horn in his hand while he's chasing after them. Yes. They stop and he crashes into them. Uh, they tell him to turn the siren off and he says that he's an officer of the law. And then he shows his badge, which he did not successfully do at first, but he flipped his wallet around and showed them. To be clear, he doesn't appear to be an officer of the law. I believe he is a private investigator. That's how it seems. Uh, Anyhow, um... he asked to see the girl's vehicle operator's licenses for their skateboards. They are obviously confused by this. Was that uh, was it nine seven six evil we watched recently where that guy was just like some random dude who was trying to pass himself off as a cop? I think so. I don't remember that film very well. I might have had a lot of substances in my system at the time. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> I remember it being a delight. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. Sorry. Uh, that sounds right. I think. Yeah, you're right. I think I might have kind of conflated the two scenes in my mind. <laughs> So he reads the girls the uh, phony charges he has for them. Speeding, endangering lives of pedestrians, sassing an officer, and transporting illegal goods. Have you ever been uh, charged with sassing an officer? Uh, no. In all my interactions with the police, I try to be polite because I don't want to be beat to death with a baton. That's fair. That's probably a really smart decision. Yeah. Uh, they won't hesitate. That's what we're finding out. Yep. Inspector Blackie tells them that he'll go light on them if they give him a pizza. But they explain they don't have the pizzas because they already delivered them. (laughs) They tell him that if you want to get us with pizza, we have to be leaving the store, not returning to the store. So he says that he'll let them go for now, but he'll be watching them. (laughs) So we see Henry and Lewis... Uh, paying Shaky after they've finished their business with her. Then the camera pans over as she leaves and we see the cowboy on the couch, the one who was having sex with Gino earlier. So we then get to find out about what their deal is. 
One of them says, pussy's one thing, but shit, good pussy? How are we going to compete with that? They explain that they bought a fried chicken place and they're concerned about their competition. Yes. Uh, they can't put dudes on skateboards to deliver chicken, they mentioned. I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, they could, but I could see where putting dudes on skateboards is not going to quite get the uh, customer satisfaction that the them. hot and saucy pizza girls I guess. I mean, it is San Francisco. The Chicken Boys. Yeah. It is San Francisco. And they have those, yeah, San Francisco, and they have those Lonely Housewives. That's true. Yeah. And you had Stanley calling for the salami. I think they're under, I think they just don't really know the market very well. They're from Texas. That's true. They're trying to do research, but it's not expansive enough. So they're dejected and worried that... As they put it, pizza is going to (laughs) win. So they want to get the girls off the streets, and they talk about calling the only man big enough for the job, Mr. C, the night chicken. The night chicken. Henry says that he's still hungry. He's going to get some of that country fried pizza, as he puts it. We then see Shaky, who is leaving their place, and then we see Anne leaving her customer's place, bending down and waving her ass when she sets the skateboard down before taking off. Mm-hmm. We see Celeste uh, skating down the sidewalk and getting off of her skateboard as she hears a chicken sound. She peeks into this random open door where apparently the sound is coming from. And then we see her getting snatched and the door closes and we hear chicken screeching and feathers flying and her yelling out. So this film has now taken a different turn here. Yeah. Whereas Uh before it was just about girls delivering pizza and fucking their customers, which is something that would in many films be enough for a premise. Yes. Uh, we now have a... We have three different sets of antagonists at this point. <laughs> we have Inspector Blackie. Right. Who's working for we don't know who yet. Right. Uh, we have the the Texas Chicken Boys, their right. cartel, trying to muscle out the pizza business. Right. And then we have their hired muscle, the uh, mutant freak, the night chicken. Right. So there's a lot to uh, deal with here. We cut to John and Bob in the pizza parlor, and they're giving two female customers pizza. They ask, are you really twin brothers? John explains, not really. We have the same father, but different mothers. Bob answers the phone to take an order. He says that a girl wanted a salami pizza, and John says he'll take care of it, uh, which is what we've been waiting for to happen, but unfortunately he's interrupted here by Celeste yelling out for John. So John comes running and she explains that she was mugged. Not exactly mugged, she says, but raped. Another girl says, what's new? She replies, buy a six foot turkey. (laughs) Uh, So John explains, that was no turkey. These are chicken feathers. And he explains to them. He's a detective. Right. Well, Turns out John knows more than we thought about this. He explains that it's the San Francisco night chicken. Bob says there's an old Chinese proverb, Fear only the wrath of the golden bird. He who messes with the night chicken gets it. Oh shit. That's a really specific proverb. 
John says that this traditionally had been a chicken town, San Francisco. Oh. John explains this has traditionally been a chicken town, and they explain that Bob went broke four times in the Chinese takeout business. So they decided to open the pizza parlor specifically to try and catch the night chicken. Yes, the pizza parlor slash prostitution ring was actually a sting to draw out a serial sexual predator known as the night chicken. Right. And to break up the chicken cartel that controls San Francisco. Right. You know, standard stuff. Yeah. There's so much going on. So the girls seem a bit upset about this. You know, they asked if they're being used as bait the whole time. Celeste notes, it wasn't that bad. It was just hard to breathe under all those feathers. So John explains that they've been after the night chicken for 10 years now. And she said that, or, and they explained that they knew that the chicken syndicate is behind all of this. Then we cut to John naked in bed with Celeste while Gino's sitting in a chair next to the bed. Celeste suggests wearing little pizzas around their necks to ward him off. <laughs> this doesn't. This uh, suggestion doesn't really land with the other people in the room. No, it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. No. If anything, he's attracted by the pizza. So John's explaining more about the night chicken, but then Celeste starts blowing John. Gino calls Celeste a cunt and a cockhound, and they argue a bit. I mean, she is, really. She interrupted an important, like, debriefing to suck some dick. That's true. Celeste is insatiable. So they argue a bit, and then Gino says that John should watch Celeste give her head. So John starts to fuck Celeste, and then Gino puts her leg uh, over uh, Celeste face and puts her vagina over Celeste's face and Celeste starts going down on Gino while John is fucking her. So John starts sucking Gino's nipples as she's uh, facing John sitting on Celeste's face. Gino is dirty talking to Celeste uh, while Celeste is going down on her. John says, that looks really wet talking to Celeste. I'd like to try some of that cunt. Gino then gets on top of Celeste in a 69 position, and then John comes up behind her and starts fucking her doggy style. He stops to bend down and lick Gino's back once before going back to pumping away. <laughs> Gino and Celeste are eating each other out through this process. Uh, Celeste sticks out her tongue to lick John's balls here while John's having sex with Gino. It's worth noting here that in our previous episode about Dixie Ray Hollywood star, mm -hmm. you mentioned a review in which one of the uh, magazines had said something about there being uh, glorious ball lickers in the film. Yes. And there were no ball lickers in the film. There were none at all. But Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls has at least one good ball liquor. Yeah, they didn't... I didn't see a... I'm thinking the trailer for Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls, they mentioned ball licking. They leave it up as a surprise. Right. You weren't <laughs> expecting the ball licking going in, but you were pleasantly surprised. Just like with a normal ball licking. Right. You're yes. not expecting it, but you were pleasantly surprised. Yes, exactly. John pulls out of Gino and comes on Celeste's face, who's below Gino. 
some of it gets on Gino's pubes uh, because, you know, you never know where that stuff's going, really. Then we cut away to a little bit later where we have Gino and Celeste doing their hair and makeup and kind of fixing themselves up after their fuck session. Mm-hmm. John explains that he and Bob will follow them while they do their runs as much as possible for protection. Then we cut to Henry, who's on the phone with somebody, and we find out it's the night chicken, who says that he's going to get the girls off the street by the morning. So the three guys are talking each other, Henry, Lewis, and the cowboy, who's nameless. Lewis says, Shaky's got a nice asshole. Y'all ought to try it sometime. If you know what I mean, which I think just means that they should try her asshole. Yeah, it's it's pretty... Pretty straightforward. Yeah, there's not a lot of subtlety to that statement. Henry says, I'll stick to straight pussy myself, thank you. Henry's no fun. No, he's concerned about the chicken business. He's He needs to understand that when your friend gives you a recommendation, it's probably worth hearing them out. Yeah. He seems like he's a prude who's against anal sex, but as we'll see shortly, that's not even true. Okay, good. Lewis says, like they say, who eats the hole will suck the pole. And Henry says... What does that have to do with a guy fucking a girl in the ass? And Lewis says, nothing. It just kind of slipped out. (laughs) It was a baffling moment. Yeah, that seems like an ad lib that they just kind of left in the movie. They were like, "Uh, it would be weird if we cut from here. So I guess we'll just leave it in. We'll just leave this awkward exchange and just move on. So we cut to a hallway in what's supposed to be an apartment building here. Mm -hmm. And we see Anne walking out of her apartment. She's in red panties and a white shirt. And she sees the raincoat guy, Inspector Blackie, uh, and she introduces herself to him. Uh, If we take note to what's happened up to this point, she didn't see Inspector Blackie. The other pizza girls had come in contact with him, but not her. So she has no frame of reference here. No. So she introduces herself and... He introduces himself as Inspector Blackie. She says that she brought some pizza home for work and asked if uh, he wants a slice, and he collapses at that point. She asks him when the last time he ate was and drags him into her apartment. So we cut to him in the apartment, and he explains that he hasn't tried pizza before. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and... How many pizzas I've probably had where I couldn't even keep count. Right. At this point, how many of those little cheesy dough discs have disappeared into my belly? (laughs) I have had uh, quite a few dough discs myself. Yeah. You used to, when you lived at the House of Wax, and you pretty much just primarily subsist on the Totinos for a while. Uh it was mostly Red Barons. Okay. But yes. That's a little classy. Some tombstones here and there. Um not not many Totinos. Well, that's fair. But there was a point where we had a uh, piece of paper on the wall where yeah. we were tracking the number of pizzas that we had ate for a year. Yeah. I think we gave up in like two months in, but we were well past a pizza a day. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, calm down. Yeah, that's why, that's why my health is terrible. That makes sense. Anne asks Inspector Blackie, don't you ever take this raincoat off? 
He seems to dodge the question, and she says, You seem awful shy to me. Are you always like this around girls? So she suggests he might just need some special attention. She opens up Inspector Blackie's raincoat and realizes that he's nude under it. She explains to him that they can do anything they want and takes her shirt off, and they undress and start going at it. They do. She blows him a bit and says she needs to climb on top of this smoky mountaintop (laughs) (laughs) and uh, gets on top of him and starts riding his dong. So she's going at it and rubbing her breasts while she rides him. Oh, Blackie. So then we switch to a shot of him sliding into her doggy style. He's pumping away at her and Anne says, You're great, terrific, and you're wonderful too. Uh, In this scene, Blackie is very sweaty. Yeah. Like, disturbingly sweaty. He had pizza for the first time, and his system didn't agree with it. (laughs) Anne is uh, super hot in this scene, uh, as Desiree Cousteau always is. Mm -hmm. Uh, The walls in this apartment are white. There's not much going on, except there's a calendar hanging up, and it has this weird picture of a hand with a target laid over it in some weird psychedelic configuration. Must have missed that. Yeah, and then above it, there's this, like, diagram. It looks like like these just uh, generic shapes of people doing something, and I don't know what it is, like maybe aerobics instructions or something. Yeah. It's uh, strange. Yeah. Uh, speaking of set dressing, in the very first scene where uh, John is having sex with Anne to yeah. uh, interview her for the job, yeah, yeah, there is a poster in the background that says "How about a party?" and there's like just a bunch of pictures with like a bunch of bare butts and stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure what that was all about, no. but I thought that that was uh, funny. I, s- I saw the hell about a party. I couldn't uh, quite make out what was on the poster board, but that's great. <laughs> it was strange. Uh, I didn't get... You don't get a really good look at it, but, you know. After going at her doggy style for a while, he rolls Anne over and mounts her and starts having missionary sex with her. We get some close-up shots of Anne's mouth and face as he's going at it. And then he says he's coming. And Anne goes, No, Blackie, I'm not protected. (laughs) He doesn't seem to be trying to pull out at first, but he wasn't actually coming just yet. So he eventually pulls out and he comes directly into her belly button, filling it up before splattering around the area. Yes. She says, look how much, mmm. <laughs> they uh, kiss a little bit and the scene fades out. We cut back to the pizza parlor and John's tossing pizza dough. An old woman walks up and says, do you work here? He says, nope. <laughs> she says, why are you tossing dough up in the air if you don't work here? He says, drives you crazy, huh? She says, She wants the largest salami pizza to go. John pulls out a giant frozen salami and sits it on the counter in front of the woman. The woman calls him a smartass and leaves. Yeah, I was disappointed he didn't fuck that old woman. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, they could have really had something there. This whole movie teases you with John Holmes' cock. It really does. He only delivers in the beginning. Yeah. 
So Anne wakes up, and uh, Blackie's snoring really hard next to her. She realizes she's late to work, and she's upset. She asks Blackie if he will give her a ride to work. Blackie explains that he doesn't have a car. She asks how he gets around, and he explains he flies, usually. Uh-huh. Uh, he explains he does special investigative work and won't tell her who for. He tries to make a grab at her, and she protests that she's going to be late, but he ends up pulling her down into bed with him, and the shot cuts away. So they apparently fuck again. Yes. So we cut back to the pizza parlor, and Bob tells John that Anne showed up, finally. We cut to the girls, and Anne's shirt is untied, and she ties it together. One of the girls says, Anybody who has a quickie before work must be sick or horny as hell. She talks about Inspector Blackie, that being Anne. Anne explains that she had met somebody, and it was Inspector Blackie, and the girls identify him as the guy in the raincoat who stopped them the, the day before. They say that he's a creep, and Anne explains, no, he's a private investigator. So John admonishes Anne for being late and tells her that she has three orders for her already. But she explains to John that he needs to give them to someone else because she's met someone and that feel like she was cheating. So John pulls Anne aside and she tells him that she'll do normal deliveries and still help catch the night chicken. She tries to quit on her second day. That's, uh, that's very you. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm not doing this. This menu's complicated. I'm never going to learn it. I'm leaving. I don't think you'd have made it through day one. No. I would have gotten pounded in the butt and then fallen down the hill on my skateboard on the way home. <laughs> so, the girls get a new set of orders. Shaky gets the conventioneer special. It's noted that it's for four guys. Oh, Celeste gets the bell pepper, bell pepper again, to her lack of delight. Mm -hmm. And Gino gets the head cheese. So then we cut back to Henry, Lewis, and the cowboy playing cards in bed. I don't know why they're together on a bed. Shouldn't they be somewhere that has a table? No, they just like to have fun together. They're just three fun boys. I mean, I get it, you know, and they share their sexy time together anyway. Yeah. Might as well hang out in bed. Might as well hang out in bed and play cards. So the phone rings and Henry answers it. We find out that it's the night chicken who wants $10,000 to finish the job. They're a little upset at first because he was supposed to do it for free, apparently. No. But they say that they'll be out of business next month if they don't, so they give it to him if he guarantees that the job is finished tonight. Why was he doing it for free? I don't know. Uh, maybe just enjoy the raping, I guess. Perhaps. Maybe, maybe that was enough just a work for him. Yeah. So we cut to Celeste, who's showing up at a place to make her delivery. Then we cut to Henry, and Celeste is blowing him. So... Assumingly, Celeste has already made her bell pepper, bell pepper delivery. Yes. Theoretically, because uh -huh. this is not the horny housewife that needs to be eaten no. now. Um, Are you didn't get it mixed up again? No, I, this, is, this is the case. Okay. Shaky got the conventioneer special, uh, which would have been four guys, so that isn't this order either. No. And then, after we see... 
her blowing Henry, Henry recites his order, which is a different order. He says, So you're the special stuffed mushroom deep dish surprise I ordered. Celeste says, You ordered it, cowboy. How do you want it served up? He says, Bareback. So he bends her over the couch and starts banging her anally from behind. Okay. Her shirt's untied and they're kissing. And so he's doing her from behind, doggy style, anal. And she is leaning back and kissing him while he's got his arm around her, grabbing her breasts and sucking on it a bit. Let's take a step back. Okay. In the prior scene, Henry said he was going to stick to straight pussy. Yes. He has gone back on his word here. Yeah. But more egregiously so. Mm-hmm. He did not get Shaky. Shaky's asshole. No. He got Celeste's asshole. You're really disrespecting his business partner's opinion. Right. I think that he should have listened to Lewis's recommendation here. I think so. I mean, from watching the scene, I feel like Celeste's asshole is also great. Yeah. But I feel like if my friend has given me a specific recommendation and I'm going for that, the only difference is the provider of it. And my yeah. friend gave me a recommendation on the specific asshole provider. Yeah. Uh, I would go for that. Yeah. Well, you're a man of your word and integrity. You're not uh, Lewis. Yeah. Henry. You're not uh, Henry. You're no Henry. Henry. Yeah. No Lewis, Henry. Lewis made the recommendation to Henry. Perhaps Henry knows that Lewis is bad at recommendations. Oh, maybe. We don't really get into that there. Maybe Lewis is not a great judge of assholes. Probably not. So, <laughs> uh, we get some good close-up anal penetration shots from behind. They tongue-kiss hard, and she's turning her head back in there as they're doing it to kiss. Uh, and then we cut back to a penetration shot where she's rubbing her clit while he's still railing her in the ass. Then he has her flat on the couch and he slaps her ass repeatedly while he's still pumping away. We keep at this for a while and he eventually pulls out and comes on her ass. From there, we cut to Shaky riding her skateboard back to the pizza parlor and we hear the night chicken again. Oh man. She makes the error that Celeste made where she just walked into the doorway where the chicken sound was coming from. And the same thing happens. She gets snatched in. We hear the chicken clucking and feathers flying. So then we cut to the pizza parlor again where we see Bob, Gino, and Shaky, and John walks up. Shaky's upset because there was no protection. John had made his, uh, made his statement that he and Bob would follow them as much as they could, but John and Bob are also trying to make all the pizzas and stuff, so I don't know how that was ever going to work. Celeste then walks in, and she's got a mouthful of feathers. So she apparently got it a second time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they notice that Anne isn't back, and her last delivery was over an hour ago. So John and Bob are concerned, and they go to investigate. Mm -hmm. So from there, we cut to the area outside the doorway where the night chicken's been in those previous scenes. John and Bob are there, and they know that the chicken is there. Bob is hesitant to run in. He says that he doesn't want to get fucked by a chicken, which is an astute uh, yeah, that's understandable. statement. John charges forward, though, and John disappears in the doorway. Bob calls for John, and he doesn't answer. 
And he comes out covered in feathers and says that the night chicken wasn't there. Bob asks John what that smell is, and John pulls up his shoe and says, Chicken, chicken shit. shit. <laughs> so the night chicken took a shit in there? Uh, it, I guess It's weird so. to believe. I mean, I guess the thing is, like, chickens, whenever they just walk around places, they shit all over the place, so. Yeah, I guess if it's a giant chicken, I guess it's not. I mean, I don't know the standards to hold this night chicken to because he's using the phone. Yeah. And, uh... He should learn how to use a toilet. Yeah. Well, and it's even weirder when we get a few minutes down the line here. Yes. Uh, anyway, Bob and John are going to check the alley now. So we cut back to the girls at the shop. And Shaky hangs up the phone and announces that Celeste got another bell pepper, bell pepper order. Celeste is upset because it's the same customer as before. So we immediately cut to her customer's home, and the doorbell rings. Celeste comes in, and Celeste says she has a surprise for the customer. So he, she has the customer bend over and lifts the customer's robe where, to expose her vagina. Yeah. <clears throat> and she pulls out a big dildo, which she rubs around the customer's vagina and then penetrates. At first, the customer's protesting, and Celeste says she's been wanting to do this for a long time. She calls her an overpaid housewife cunt. <laughs> she says, I'm so sick of eating your pussy, and tells her, you love it. Look at you taking it all. It has this weird crank on yeah, the Yeah, it's end, got a hand crank. And it's not evident what it's doing at first, but later on she pulls it out more and you can see that it's kind of rotating the end of it. Yeah. that's So it's like the precursor to those fancy vibrators they have today that are like motorized and like spin and rotate in weird ways. Right, right. Dildo that she's messing with is really long. Yes. uh, But eventually the customer gets off and she seems pretty satisfied with it regardless of her immediate protests. Then we cut to Blackie wandering around outside the night chicken doorway. Then we hear crashing as he approaches the door. Then we see Anne walking by, and we hear the chicken again. So Blackie pops out from the area around the doorway and stops Anne. Inspector Blackie asks what happened to her, and she says she fell off her skateboard. So her arm is in a weird sling that looks like it's made of like a pillowcase or something. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't notice that on my first watch, but that was a weird incident. Mm -hmm. Inspector Blackie tells Anne that he just bought a car and asks if she wants to go with him. He tells her that he just came into some money, and they talk about going away together. He says they can go anywhere that she wants to get away from the night chicken. Anne suggests Niagara Falls, because that's where couples go on their honeymoon. Blackie goes, oh, anchovy. (laughs) So then we hear the night chicken again near that doorway, and John and Bob pop up. They talk about the four of them being able to stop the night chicken together, being Anne, Blackie, John, and Bob. But Anne and Blackie said they're leaving, so they run away. (laughs) But John and Bob are ready to take it out, so they rush in the doorway. We cut to Anne and Inspector Blackie at the car. Blackie is trying to unlock the door, but uh, can't seem to do it. Anne's pretty impressed with the car, and when Inspector Blackie fails to unlock the door, she easily opens it. 
So Blackie then picks Anne up to sit her into the car and does so uh, very with a lot of difficulty. Yeah, it does, it's not a natural move, I don't think, to try to lift someone into a car. Yeah, uh, you know, if they're in a wheelchair or something, I could see that yeah. happening. But as a as just a normal act to a person without any disability, it's an awkward thing to do. Yeah, the head. You're gonna smack someone. Someone's gonna smack their head. Right. So he collapses as uh, he puts her into the car, but then he shuts the door. Then we cut to John and Bob walking out of the doorway that the night chicken's been in, and they've got a tape recorder in their hand that's playing chicken sounds. Bob suggests that it could have been Inspector Blackie, and John says it couldn't have been. Then he turns and looks at the camera as it zooms in. Could it? And then we cut straight from there to a... (laughs) Shot of the license plate on Inspector Blackie's new car, which says B-A-H-K, or Bach, Bach, on the back of it. As it's pulling away, it freezes frames, and then we cut to black for the credits as the Pizza Girl songs play, or the Pizza Girl song plays. Bob Chin films have the best themes, as we've yes. reinforced. Lousy music on this film is credited to Lon John. Yeah. I don't know know much about Lon John and her illustrious career. If there's one thing that I've learned from this film, though, Mm -hmm. it's that if you're hungry for a treat but you don't know what to eat, send for your local pizza girls. Yeah, that's what I learned, too. Or send for your friendly pizza girls. Send for... they're both. I've been searching all around just to find my pizza girl. (laughs) All right, so that is the Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls. Uh, We're going to go ahead and take a short break, and then we'll come back with our thoughts on Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls. That was no turkey. These are chicken feathers. It was the San Francisco night chicken. Hi. What are you attacking me for? Revenge. Revenge for what? Old Chinese proverb. Care only the wrath of the golden bird. Translation, please. He who messes with a night chicken gets it. Who's the night chicken? No one knows, but you see, this has been traditionally a chicken town, and uh, we've been fighting them for a long time. Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls was released on DVD by Vinegar Syndrome, and uh, it was also re-released on Blu-ray in their limited edition Five Films, Five Years series. Um, which is the version that we watched. Unfortunately, that's now out of print and will cost you a pretty penny. Uh, I actually had to pick it up for a bit above retail price secondhand, but uh, it was definitely worth it because this one has not only Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls, but Dixie Ray Hollywood Star and three other films, so definitely worth it. So as per usual... We'll go ahead and move into our review segment of the show with our review master, Jeremy. Jeremy, take it away. Okay. Um, I really like this one. As I said earlier, it's probably the one I had the most fun watching um, and taking notes on um, for the podcast. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a lighthearted little ensemble cast kind of comedy. Right film that you know it doesn't take itself too seriously or get too deeply involved right um and like i guess how bob chen said he wanted to suspend disbelief it doesn't go that deep but 
he gives you a lot for the running time uh, plot wise you get a couple different series of antagonists um you know there's more to drive it along than just them having sex um but i think everyone in it is pretty good desiree Cousteau is great uh i really love john holmes and bob chin's little back and forth and right them just being kind of shitty pizza parlor owners who just exploit these ladies right um um, I don't really think I really have anything I would say like negative towards it. Um, it's a feel good hit of the summer. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And oh, bum 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 bum, bum Call those pizza girls. Turn it back <laughs> to boss. Now I, I would agree with that, and you know it's it's really worth uh, bringing up the performances of everybody in this film. Uh, you highlighted the highlights. Uh, Anchovy, Desiree Cousteau is great. John Holmes, uh, Bob Chin in his part. But uh, the other pizza girls are great. Mm-hmm. Candida Royale is the sassy, no bullshit Gino, but also Lorian Dominique is shaky and mm-hmm. uh, Christine DeShafer is Celeste. They're all great. Paul Thomas plays as part of Henry Well, although. I still don't understand him bad mouthing anal sex and then ordering and turning it turning around and he's a hypocrite. He's a real hypocrite, but I mean he wasn't supposed to be a good guy in this film anyway, so there's that. But uh you know everybody does a great job. It's fun. Um I I love this movie. <laughs> I mean it's good. Who uh who plays Detective Blackie? Detective Blackie is John Seaman. Okay, that's a funny name. S-E-E-M-A-N. Um, that's a funny name. He did a good job. He's yeah, a pretty he good did. physical comedian based on what he did. Just always collapsing and pratfalling and such. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of dialogue because his character's so weird. Yeah. But, you know, what he has is good. Yeah, you come his, away with a strong impression of him. Yeah, he did a great job. Uh, you know, Lewis the Cowboy, uh, Richard Pacheco. Uh, he has some hilarious lines, uh, but the other weird dudes, the horny housewife, the older customer that John told off, uh, the the ladies that they're flirting with at the uh, pizza parlor desk, that's mm-hmm. basically everybody in the film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everybody all. in the film you did great. Them. You love them. I love them all. Uh, I love... Listen. Okay. When I watch a porn film... Yeah. I love one that I can just kind of get lost in and have fun with the experience. And, um, you know, I think looking at last week's episode versus this week's episode, we're seeing two different sides of the coin. Yeah. This isn't the arty film that the devil and Miss Jones is. There isn't any like existential thing to think about with it. Yeah. Um, there's not any, uh, philosophical discussion to be had about sin or, uh, you know, the afterlife or suicide or anything like that. This is just about some girls going, delivering pizzas. Everybody's having sex and having fun. And despite the fact that there is a rape plot point in the film, everybody seems to be having fun. Even Celeste says that it wasn't really that bad. It's just hard to breathe under all those feathers. Right. So it's the sort of film that you can watch and have fun with sex and, you know, turn your brain off a little bit and just, you know, enjoy yourself. Yeah. So I love that about the film. Um, 
as I was saying earlier in the podcast, uh, John Holmes is one of my favorite male actors. And even though he didn't do a lot of fucking in this film, uh, he was great in his just normal yeah. part in yeah. it. Just a little supporting role. Yeah, he was great yeah. in that. And Bob Chin did a great job. And Bob Chin, you know, again, going back to earlier, he should be proud of this film. It's yeah. a great film. Like, we joked about a few things along the way, not necessarily making total sense, but... You know, it's you can when pull you consider. Yeah, I mean, when you consider that this was probably made in a number of days versus, you know, the the bigger production of like The Devil and Miss Jones and stuff like that. Even though that's a relatively low budget film, they right. probably had more than a couple of days that Bob Chin made right. this film in. It's a great film. I love it. It's one of my legitimate favorite uh, adult films of all time because. It's just a fun time. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add about Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls before we wrap things up? I guess mostly I love it, but I'm disappointed we never got to see a salami pizza get delivered. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah. mean, you know, if we were if we were going to make the perfect film, there are some things that you could do like that. Yeah. But, you know, all things considered, you know, this is like 80-ish minutes of fun yeah and uh it was a great time i I enjoyed myself greatly both times that i watched it this week Uh, and i had seen it in the past so at this point i've seen this film three times and all three times it landed holds up so what more can you ask for in a porn film i'd like to thank everybody for listening to us once again uh, follow us on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. Uh, send us any questions, comments, sponsorship opportunities to raincoatreport at gmail.com. And subscribe to our podcast uh, through your favorite podcast platform. Follow us, rate us, review us. All of those things help us get in more ears and uh, helps us spread the word of the teacher. Yes. Yes. Once again, for Jeremy, I'm Boss. Thank you for helping us keep 42nd Street alive, and don't forget your raincoat. Tape recorder. You don't suppose it was Inspector Blackie, do you? Inspector Blackie? Yeah, it couldn't be. Could it?